And now for the major announcements. Da, 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 da. Oh, Marcus, for years, listeners have been urging with us, pleading with us, begging us to run Wellness and Couch events in their own hometown and not just in Melbourne. Well, get ready, folks, because in 2018, there's not one, not two, but three major events coming your way. The Wellness Basecamp is our brand new one-day event featuring your favourite Wellness Couch podcasters in your very own home state. In 2018, we are coming to Brisbane, Adelaide and Kiama, just south of Sydney, for one inspirational day of health and wellness. Oh, incredible lineups to MP. We've got the Up for a Chatters, we've got Joe Witten, we've got Fuad, we've got Kale Brock, Audra Starkey, the incredible Marcus Pierce, Brett Hill, and so many more. Now, seats are strictly limited to these events. The Wellness Base Camp is not a big Wellness Summit 1,000 people job, so do not muck around. No, you've got to get in quick, MP. The Early Bird 2 for 1 tickets are now available. Best Christmas present ever. To book your tickets and for all the information, head to thewellnessbasecamp.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Dr. Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by Brian Schwabby. Now, Brian has a list of credentials on the end of his name. He's a PT, he's a DPT, he's an SCS, and he's a CSCS, and I'm not even sure what any of those means. We're going to have to talk about that. But he is a board-certified sports clinical specialist in physical therapy. He's a strength and conditioning coach. He's a fitness and medical writer. Um, he's a sports physical therapist. Um, he loves sport, as I can tell. He, he's uh, done things ranging from covering beach volleyball championships, uh, NFL PA games, WNBA games, NBA pre-draft workouts. So he's all over the sports, which I love. And he has a very eclectic and ever-evolving approach. He's a proponent of mobility, which I'm really keen to talk to him about. Um, so welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on board, mate. Oh, that was a mouthful getting out all those qualifications, mate. You've done a lot of different stuff. You obviously have a massive love for sport. Um, how did this all start for you? Yeah, you know, um, I think for me, I was, I was always interested in the body and I was always interested in kind of the strength and conditioning aspect of um, sports and, you know, playing sports my whole life and becoming injured kind of, you know, the blend of physical therapy and strength and conditioning kind of was like a perfect fit for me, so... Uh, when I started to learn how I could kind of blend the two together, uh, I kind of went right after it, and um, this is the end result. So, Brian, what sports did you play, and, and what sort of injuries did you get? You know, I played I played pretty much everything as a kid growing up. I think, you know, my focus ended up being on soccer and, and basketball for the most part. And, you know, for, as far as injuries go, you know, I, I've had it all. You know, I've kind of treated my body like an amusement park when I played sports. So, you know, hamstring strains to... Um, shoulder injuries, little rotator cuff tears, little things like that, that, you know, nothing was too significant where I needed a surgery, but it, it opened up my eyes to, you know, how can we prepare the body differently? And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm following all these different people and, and trying to learn how to keep my body healthy and, and also trying to help my other teammates out. You know, how can I do that effectively where I don't get injured and how can I help other people not get injured at the same time? So that kind of how it, how, it, how it started for me and, and kind of how I built my practice up as I became a uh, healthcare professional. 
Yeah, nice. So I guess in those early stages, what was your what was your concern? I mean, obviously, as a young sports person, typically you just want to get patched up so you can get back on the field and play again. But but obviously, with your approach you've got now, taking you know taking a look at more that strength and conditioning and preparation side, then then it's a lot more about I guess prevention of, of those injuries as well. You know, early days were you more focused on just getting back on the field, or did you always have that understanding that some prevention might be better than the cure? Well, you know, it was interesting. I I was fortunate enough to meet some pretty amazing physical therapists early on in my career um, as just a, you know, a soccer player. And um, they were able to kind of map out a a program for me and teach me my first steps into, you know, mobility and injury prevention and strength and conditioning and trying to blend all of those together, which can be kind of a kind of a tough thing to do as a teenager. Um, But I became, you know, a, a student of the game and a student of learning about all those different areas and trying to blend them together, which is something that, you know, is something that's always evolving and always changing. So, you know, I think what I learned when I was a teenager to now is just completely different and I'm still trying to blend all of them together. Yeah, it's that real art, isn't it, of, uh, of blending those different things together, trying to stay within, I guess, those sort of evidence-based frameworks, but at the same time, trying to figure out how you can merge it together and find something that, that works and is sort of at the cutting edge at the same time. It's it's always a constant evolution of that art that, that sometimes it's hard to find that balance sometimes, you know, between... Uh, you know, between the true sort of evidence-based medicine and, and then that art aspect of, of dealing with the individual in front of you and, and the things that they present with um, that can be different to the textbook as well. You know, how do you find blending those two things together? Well, you know, I think you nailed it on the head when you said that, you know, the, there's an art and then there's the evidence-based practice and, and sometimes evidence has to catch up. And, you know, the, when you when you look at research and things like that, you know, that points in the right direction. But, you know, when you're a treating practitioner, you can also appreciate that there are some things that are not in the evidence yet, mm-hmm. but you see it clinically uh, or you see it as just an individual and you're like, you know, this works or, or this mm-hmm. could work. And I think, you know, the best example I can use is, you know, trying to blend out, you know, the differences between mobility and stability or mobility and flexibility, which I think for, you know, most people is a very tough concept and, and it's something that is typically interchangeably used in literature as well as just, uh, you know, with clinicians and individuals, you know, people think mobility and flexibility are the same, but they're not. And that's something that I I try to uh, help other people understand. Well, let's talk about that because that's one of the things I'm really keen to talk about, Brian, because... I've never been someone who's terribly mobile or flexible. Um, And so, you know, I've played a lot of sport growing up, but I've done a lot of longer distance running and and I've always been a little bit stiff. And so, you know, going into my uh, strength and conditioning training, it's always an ongoing uh, work for me to try and work on the mobility and the flexibility. So tell us us a bit about mobility and flexibility and what's the difference between the two? Yeah, you know, I think the, the best way I can explain it is when I think about mobility, mobility to me uh, is addressing soft tissue tone and joint positions, meaning, you know, the foam rolling, uh, lacrosse ball rolling, you know, different banded positions for the joints, whereas flexibility is more addressing those truly adaptive short muscles where you're trying to lengthen them. And, you know, I think the, the, the best thing I can explain with that is mobility a lot of times is something that we need more than flexibility. And the reason why I say that is because our bodies are constantly feeling like they're trying to find um, a balance, you know, and sometimes 
you know, we aren't truly stiff, meaning that, you know, we don't have truly short muscles, but we still feel stiff. And I think the best example I can use from a muscle standpoint is hamstrings, for example, right? How many of us feel like we're stiff in our hamstrings and we're constantly stretching them all day long and we're like, we're still, we still feel stiff. You know, it's something I hear on a daily basis. Well, if you think about the hamstrings, for example, the hamstrings truly are a two joint muscle. So they start at the hips and, you know, they go all the way to the knee. So, you know, they're really influenced by both hip position and core control. And a lot of times, you know, it's not that they're truly inflexible, but let's say the hips are stiff and they're pulling you into an anterior pelvic tilt, meaning that your hip flexors get short and you're kind of in that, you know, overextended arch position in your back. The hamstrings are being kind of pulled on. So they're going to feel tight because they got to kind of lock down to protect them from ripping. And, you know, people will stretch those and that's the exact opposite of what you need to do. You might need to roll them to relax the the neural tension, but you know, most of the time there's something else that needs to be addressed. Yeah, it's a great example actually. So I guess in that example, then it's a matter of looking at uh, the posture and the and the stability of the lower spine. You're looking at any sort of anterior pelvic tilt, hyperextension of the lumbar spine, um, and see if you can get that realigned, but also get that more mobile uh, to start taking the, the taking away the need for that hamstring to clamp down the way it's been doing. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's exactly correct, you know, and it, it's it's something that's, you know, it's not just the hamstring. You, you think about shoulders, too. That's another area that typically people will complain about. You know, their upper traps are always tight. Well, you know, if we think about the upper traps, you know, what do they do as an action? A lot of the times they're helping us in an overhead position, but we don't have our arms overhead all day, but they still feel tight. And, you know, sometimes it's because the nervous system is trying to find that that proper position and have a balance and check system meaning that it locks down to protect something because, you know, we're, we're stiffer somewhere else or we're weaker somewhere else. So something has to give, you know, something always has to give in our body. Our body's constantly seeking structural balance. Oh, I love it, Brian. You're absolutely talking my language here. As you may or may not know, I'm a chiropractor by trade. So mm-hmm. you start talking about posture, you start talking about mobility and function of the joints, and then you start talking about the nervous system, and I get really excited. You know, I love talking about that sort of stuff. So it's great to hear, and I love the fact that it's uh, you know really across professions that understanding is really coming in about the importance of the mobility and the function of those joints and, and the impact that has on the nervous system is really cool. So... Um, the flexibility stuff, I think, is really interesting because um, you know it's always been one of those things that people have you know often looked at. For example, you look at like a, an animal, you know, and they don't stand there. You know, your dog might wake up and stretch a little bit in the morning, but you know, if the if the fox comes after the hare, the hare doesn't stand there and stretch for ten minutes before it decides to run away. You know, it just runs away, and so mm-hmm. we kind of have this idea that. Well, we had this idea that lots and lots of stretching before exercise was required in order to, you know, keep ourselves healthy and prevent injuries and perform at our best. And and I think we're now moving maybe away from that and more towards this mobility idea. Is that fair to say? I think so. And I think that if if you look at the the trend in fitness and the trend in you know you know physical therapy or chiropractors and things like that, we are moving toward that more movement approach, meaning that we're not doing those static holds anymore for stretching. And it's because they're just not working anymore. You know, we've, we've learned more and more about the body and it's more about changing positions and moving. You know, we talk about posture a lot of times and I, I think you probably share the same thoughts as me, whereas, you know, posture is something that is super important, but it's not the only issue. We have to be able to move as well. And, you know, you can have poor posture, but if you're constantly moving, then our bodies can adapt and, and can become more supple and, and more resilient as a result. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I was actually having this discussion with someone just yesterday. We were talking about, um, you know, that good, even good posture isn't always the be all and end all. You know, he was talking about using a uh, a contoured pillow, and he and he said that, uh, you know, he'd been trying to use this contoured pillow, trying to get some of the curve back in his neck and bring his head back a little bit, but uh, he had a neck that just wasn't functioning well at all. And so for him, you know, trying to force a dysfunctional neck into what was, you know, perhaps an ideal posture um, was, if anything, making things worse rather than better and so the idea that it needs to function right not just you know look right in terms of the posture I think is really important to understand no I, I completely agree and and that's where screening the body is important and that's where you know using assessments are important to determine is it you know flexibility is it mobility is it stability and how can we be more exact with our approach to you know assign certain things to people so that we can you know also, be more individualized to their approach and what they actually need. Yeah, I love that. And you've mentioned mobility and stability a number of times. And I think I know where you're going with this. And I think it's really important to talk about, which I think is that, you know, if you can get things stable, uh, then it frees up your body from feeling like it needs to constantly guard and protect itself. Uh, then that links in them with being able to have greater mobility. Is that is that the sort of link between those two? Yeah, I, I think I think it is, and you know, and I think that the most important thing is, you know, ha- trying to find that proper balance. But understanding that it's it's difficult too. It's difficult to find that proper balance between mobility and stability. And and sometimes, you know, sometimes when you work on the mobility first, it allows the body to naturally adapt and, and calm the nervous system, so you can work on some of the stability from there. You know, sometimes, you know, our old approach was let's stretch before we go out on the field. Well as you alluded to earlier, sometimes we don't want to do that. We want to have the body warm first. We want to move first. We want to become more supple and mobile before we actually perform an activity so our bodies are ready for it. And so we've spoken a bit about, I guess, people who have limited mobility and flexibility, uh, but there also exist uh, yeah, people who have extreme mobility and flexibility you know we see people in the practice mm-hmm. who perhaps have a, a gymnastics background or a ballet background or those sort of things who often um, have a lot of mobility and flexibility but really struggle with the stability side of things you know how does the approach differ for people like that yeah no that's uh, that's something I've actually dealt with a little bit more recently with some gymnastic um, athletes and and I think that they are more flexible naturally. They're more, you know, loose in the joints and more lax in the joints. And as a result, they do need more end range stability. And that's where using the same type of screens is appropriate. But you also have to recognize that sometimes flexibility for them is what they're what feels good to them because it makes them feel like they're not as tight but they will lock down because of the weakness of components. So, you know, letting them know and and educating them on the importance of, you know, working more on stability and finding those positions where they're unstable in so they can strengthen that is where, you know, my approach is kind of brought versus, you know, giving them more mobility exercises because it feels good. Those are the type of individuals that, you know, yoga feels good to or stretching feels good to, but then they end up in more pain later because they become more unstable. So it's more for them about getting the sort of more the strength and conditioning side so that they can build the strength to be able to, to do the things they want to do without compromising the structure. Exactly, exactly. You, you want to make sure that you don't compromise the joints further because they're already lax in those joints and their ligaments are lax more naturally and instead just work on more strength and conditioning. Mo, you know, flexibility for them is, is typically more inappropriate and stability and strength and conditioning is more appropriate within the right context and framework. 
Oh, I'm loving this, Brian. I'm finding this fascinating. I've got so many questions I want to ask you. But um, for, for those people, uh, you know, as they start working on strength and conditioning and, and I guess building up a bit more uh, muscle and, and does that, can that sometimes compromise some of their flexibility and mobility that they really want for their gymnastics as well? Like, is there a bit of a trade-off there? Well, and that's where the mobility comes into play because, you know, you can still work on soft tissue mobility, meaning the lacrosse ball rolling, the foam rolling, um, and things like that, because it still gives them an input to the nervous system and allows them to keep that, you know, natural flexibility. But, you know, if you have a proper strength and conditioning program where you're working on, you know, proper uh, stability exercises that are appropriate for them, if anything, it should enhance their flexibility in a better way because they're going to move better then. You know, if we think about a gymnastics athlete, you know, they move quite a bit from their lumbar spine, but sometimes they don't move as well from their hips. And, and if you can get them to learn how to do like a hip hinge and some basic movement patterns, a lot of times it actually helps them perform better. And that doesn't require as much work. And so is that then just a matter of making sure they're doing their workouts with full range of motion and, and making sure they're using all of the joints appropriately to get that range of motion? Yeah, I, I think for them, the, the biggest thing is the, those really extreme end range positions is what causes the most amount of problems. So that's usually where they need their stability and finding ways to lock out certain segments of the body so they can really focus on the areas they are weaker. You know, if we take that same, you know, gymnastics athlete, you know, locking out the lumbar spine so that we can work on the hip extension, uh, you know, stability at end range without using lumbar. Yeah, it's fascinating. I love that. So, so it's actually looking at more of an isolated uh, exercise regime in, in order to to individualize those joints and regain that motion. But does that then need to be then linked back into some more whole body exercise so that they can learn to use the hips and the lumbar in unison as well? Absolutely. And I think you know that that's the thing that is important is that you start maybe with some isolated things, but then you have to go back to those foundational movement patterns like a hip hinge or a squat or things that will be more specific for their sport. Um, but if they can't get it isolated, then it's really hard for them to integrate it. So sometimes I like to move from an isolated form all the way to an integrated form. And that kind of helps them put the whole thing together. Nice. Um, it's funny we talk about this topic of sort of mobility and flexibility. As I mentioned before, I sort of, you know, I've always struggled with the mobility and flexibility side of things. And, and I've always sort of had a bit of a cop out of saying, well, I think that's just the way I'm built. And uh, and the more I go on, the more I'm not quite sure whether that's true or not. So I'll, I'll ask you, Brian, you know, how much of this is nature and how much of this is nurture in terms of our ability to have that mobility and flexibility? Yeah, you know, and I think that's something that I still struggle with as well and that I'm, I'm kind of working through. You know, you think about some of those hypermobile athletes, you know, that's more just how, how they're built, you know. And whereas like someone like you and me who maybe are a little bit more on the stiffer side, maybe that's just the way we're built. Or maybe it's the things that we do that influence our positions. So, you know, I, I'm not really sure I have a great answer to that. I think it's it's kind of a across the board on that issue. It's more of that's why we need to screen people out and we need to be very individualized with our approaches so that we can find what that person is actually presenting with. Yeah, great. I love it. So, Brian, you work with lots of sports teams um, and you're obviously, as I said, very passionate about sports. And so, in terms of how this 
comes into play for either your sports teams or even just your your recreational athletes and, and your people who like to go for a run or go to the gym you know how does your approach sort of change for them in terms of what they should be doing uh, in order to warm up and get ready for exercise but perhaps even also to cool down as well yeah, you know, I think I'm pretty big into looking at the actual mechanics of the movements they're going through. Um, you know, I, I do have a, a pretty biomechanical approach to things at times, especially with sports. You know, if I take a runner, for example, um, I'm trying to break down the running motion. What is actually required from a, a mobility and stability standpoint? So if I look at a runner and I'm screening them out, you know, yes, I'm looking at their running motion, but I'm also breaking down just what the running motion consists of. So if I'm trying to return someone to running, the things that I'm looking at is, you know, do they have good single leg control, uh, meaning can they do a single leg squat to, let's say, you know, 30 to 45 degrees with good, you know, hip position, knee position, ankle position, good eccentric control. Um, and the reason why I do that is because that's basically what they're doing over and over again, bounding from one leg to another. But I'm also looking at trunk position, you know, so for that, I'll usually use an assessment of a front plank with maybe arm driver so we can see how the arms are influenced the trunk position and then the rotation there. Um, I'll use a reverse lunge so that I can see what the great toe is doing. Um, in a lunge position and seeing if they actually have great toe extension. So I'm breaking down the mechanics of the movement so that I can actually appropriately address what they need for both their warm-ups, both their routines before they run, um, and what their cool-down might consist of, you know, which might be more flexibility or maybe it's more mobility. Great. So, yeah, I think what the point of that then is that it's it's just more complex than what we've been doing. I think you know, for for many, as I said, recreational athletes and and sort of recreational sports players, the idea of just going out, doing a quick stretch, and then getting straight into it, you know, it's it's evolved beyond that. And there's you know, for those who are perhaps even coaches or or just want to prepare themselves better, there's, there's better ways of doing that to prepare yourself for your sport of choice and to be a bit more specific about it. Yeah, I think it is. And, and, and I think that we're moving toward a, a better approach now, you know, across the board of, you know, what do our athletes actually need? How do we control load? How do we control all these factors? And it can be overwhelming at times, but the, the simplified approach is, is using some type of assessment to determine what our, our athletes need and just making it simple from there and, and building upon it. It's going to be something that's always changing depending on, you know, time of season, um, you know, whether it's off season or in season and type of athlete. Yeah, nice, Brian. Well, I want to move on to talk about shoulders, and it, it sounds like someone behind you there is putting their shoulders into their uh, snooker playing by the sound of it. Yeah, I, I think we're getting a little bit of background noise. So. <laughs> but that's Sorry okay. That. That's, that's a good, a good little bit of functional fitness, and it leads into my next question because you have just released a new ebook, or will be released, I believe, today, which is the Healthy Shoulders ebook. Um, and, you know, shoulders are one thing that I find uh, clinically a lot of people and even a lot of practitioners aren't doing particularly well at. You know, I, I think a lot of people are looking just at the shoulder as an, in isolation uh, and not really understanding the impact of posture, particularly the upper back and the neck, but even right down into the lower back and, and how that rounded, slumped posture can really impact and disadvantage the shoulders. So, um, so Brian, you've just released a Healthy Shoulders ebook, which is really exciting. I think it's such an important topic. And, you know, as a chiropractor, sometimes I feel like it's a topic that isn't always very particularly well dealt with by individuals, but also sometimes by healthcare practitioners, um, in that they can look at the shoulder very much in isolation without really understanding the impact of posture, uh, the impact of you know the upper back and the neck, and even the lower back in terms of how that 
changes the uh, relationship to the shoulder and how that affects the function of the shoulder. And uh, already from speaking to you, I've got a fair idea that that's not your approach, Brian. So tell us a little bit about this Healthy Shoulders ebook. Uh, why did you write it? And, uh, and what sort of uh, issues are you seeing with the shoulder and how are we going about fixing them up? Yeah, you know, I've been doing some videos for Paleo Hacks for a while now, and and one of the things that a lot of the viewers were asking me about was, you know, how do I keep my shoulders healthy? And and they were asking, you know, what to do for your shoulders. And I think what I discovered was they were really enjoying some of the different ways of actually individualizing the approach to their their shoulder health. And, you know, I decided to make a book and just really a a book on how to screen your shoulders out and and choose exercises that are appropriate for you so that you're not just stretching to stretch or mobilizing to mobilize or performing certain exercises just because, you know, you think they're appropriate, but instead being very specific about it. And I think what this ebook is showing is, you know, different approaches to screens and then a breakout of, hey, do you need more mobility or do you need more stability and and how to kind of structure that so that you can make uh, very precise changes. Yeah, I love it. So what are the most common issues you're seeing with people in terms of their shoulders, Brian? You know, I think that um, there's certain muscles that obviously are probably a little bit more prone to becoming more stiff, uh, whether it's just neurological tone, meaning that, that soft tissue mobility or it's true flexibility. And, and for example, I'll take the lat muscle, which is, you know, connected to the shoulder, but also connects all the way to the pelvis. And that will influence a lot of the shoulder flexion movements. And when those become very dominant, uh, just like the pecs, it, it really puts us in that rounded shoulder position, which is something I hear a lot of people talk about. Like, I feel hunched over. I feel like, you know, stiffer and, you know, using certain screens and then using different mobility techniques to address those things um, can really be beneficial to people so that they can actually mobilize, get into the right position, have full range of motion before they strengthen. Because the last thing that people want to do is start to strengthen themselves in a stiffer, more dysfunctional position. Yeah, it's so important, isn't it? And it's a great point as to how it all does you know, fit in together. I mean, I know for myself, um, you know, having within the last sort of 12 or so months started doing CrossFit, you know, it's, I've really noticed whilst I always thought my posture was pretty good that, you know, trying to do some of those overhead lifts can be a real challenge for me. Um, and as I've gone through the process of sort of figuring out, you know, where the, the core issues are for that, I've, I've really realized that it really stems right back to a bit of an anterior pelvic tilt. Um, and that what's happening down in my pelvis is really affecting the whole chain up from there and affecting the shoulders. So, um, you know, is that what you're finding? Like, is it a real process to go through and screen the whole body to find out what might be causing these issues with the shoulders? Well, it can be. But, you know, I think the most important thing with these screens is that you're comprehensive with them. You know, when we think about the shoulders, you have to look at the low back. You have to look at like a position like a deep squat, but you also have to look at individualized approaches to the shoulders, looking at flexion, looking at internal rotation, external rotation, and breaking down the components of those. And a lot of times, you know, and this is what I include in the book is, you know, what are the common substitutions to look out for? What are the things to actually look out for to see, hey, am I compensating to make up this motion or am I having a smooth motion? And that's where, you know, pictures and videos are really uh, helpful for people because then they can actually see what the movements are supposed to look like versus what they're not supposed to look like. 
Yeah, and I guess one of the problems with that as well is sometimes it's hard to know what you're doing. You know, it's, it's always so much easier to pick apart someone else's technique uh, when it comes to doing any of those sort of movements. But when it comes to looking at your own, um, it can be really difficult. So, you know, is your, are you suggesting then, I guess, people need to go and see a healthcare practitioner, they need to have a really good trainer, you know, who is best for people to go see if they have got these sort of issues and want to improve um, not just the, you know, healing up the injuries they've got but actually improve their mobility and flexibility and and make sure that they can help prevent these issues from recurring yeah no i I think that's a very real thing you know i think that people are moving towards they want to do things on their own but sometimes it's just not enough and um you know this book is is designed to kind of show you what your your problems are and hopefully start to work on those things but sometimes they're more serious issues so going to a physical therapist going to a chiropractor are things that you know should be more regular. If we think about some of the other healthcare professionals, we think about people that have a physical every year from a doctor or they go to the dentist twice a year for teeth cleanings and things like that. But you don't see people going to physical therapists and chiropractors for wellness screenings and, you know, full body screenings. And we have to live in our bodies every single day. So keeping that healthy and getting those yearly wellness screens to see, hey, what's going on with my body and how can I improve it so that I can keep moving better, keeps doing the activities I want to do and also just feeling healthy overall. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, getting your body checked by a professional who can tell you and give you those cues is absolutely invaluable because, like I said, it, it's so hard to see for yourself. Uh, even as I mentioned before, for myself, you know, trying to figure out, well, where is the issue here? Even working with my trainer, you know, it, it takes time and it can be really difficult to identify exactly what the issue is. Um, so, I mean, these shoulder issues, what's causing them, Brian? Is it largely to do with our posture and the fact that we sit too much? Uh, is that what's causing a lot of the issues with people's shoulders, or is there more to it than that? You know, I think that does play a, a big role. Um, as I kind of talked about earlier, you know, it's not the only thing, but I do think it plays a big role because, again, we, our bodies are incredibly adaptive, and they're going to adjust to whatever we give them. And if we continuously give them the same position, neurologically, our bodies are going to get used to that. And sometimes that's just not a good position for the shoulders. You know, if, if we're sitting quite a bit, our hips are locked down, you know, we're not going to always be in great posture. It does play a role in how our bodies feel. It does play about a part in how our bodies feel. It's not the only thing, but I do think that posture plays a role in, you know, giving our bodies some type of neural input, meaning that if we're in the same posture all day long, our bodies are going to get used to that. Mm. And sometimes our postures just are not good. And when we're sitting a lot, a lot of times we are in that hunched over forward position and our hips are flexed. And as a result, they become stuck in that position. And then it's difficult to perform activities when we're done with those sitting positions, you know. So it's not the only thing, but I do think it plays a big role in how we're um, allowing our bodies to feel and, and to perform. Great. Well, so much good information today, Brian. Um, I know people are going to want to find out more about you. So, obviously, they can find you at the website, which is thestudentphysicaltherapist.com. Uh, they can find you on Instagram, uh, which is Brian Schwab DPT. Uh, so, at Brian Schwab DPT. And then also uh, your ebook. Where's the best spot for people to go to find the ebook, Brian? The ebook will be released later on today at thestudentphysicaltherapist.com, www.thestudentphysicaltherapist.com. Perfect. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on board today, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been great to talk with you. Beautiful. So until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week.
on that paleo show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.